Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 270, Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Ghosn for the undisputed heavyweight championship. I mean, the baddest man on the planet. And we hear that term every time that there's a heavyweight championship. I mean, you remember the days of when Cain Velasquez and Junior Dos Santos were the be-all, end-all in the heavyweight division. Now, I mean, these guys, Francis and uh, Cyril truly raised the bar i mean you got you know we have to talk about how in heavyweight it just takes that one punch and all these guys got power but it, it's a different kind of power with uh francis and gano just like it's a different kind of technique and movement from uh from cyril gone so i i think this is literally the best matchup in ufc heavyweight championship history man yeah, uh 100 man and then you got the uh the backstory in it all you know Former former uh, sparring partners, uh, Coach Fernand, you know, him and Francis are, are, are beefing big time, man. Um, I mean, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, sparge footing, uh, sparge footing videos getting leaked and people claiming people got knocked out and and this and that. But, you know, I've heard I've heard a lot of different sides. You know, I've heard Nasserdine said, uh, you know, Francis couldn't touch him, uh, you know. Uh, so I'm super excited to see how, how, how this uh, fight plays out. I mean, this is going to, you know. We're going to see where the um, heavyweight division is going to go. We know Francis is a little upset with Dana and all of them, and he might try to go box after this. So we, we might not even see Francis for a while after this, man. I just feel like the winner of this fight is about to be a massive global superstar. Because, I mean, if you got Francis Ngannou coming out here and knocking out Cyril Gaon, in addition to all his other brutal knockouts, I mean, we're dealing with the Mike Tyson of this era in, in the UFC, I mean, we've never seen anything like it. And then Cyril Ghosn, I mean, when was the last time you saw a heavyweight bouncing around like a bantamweight, um, you know, and, and to fight other heavyweights with his hands down, I mean, speaks volumes to his confidence, to his techniques, to, to his defense. I mean, both these guys are truly forces in nature. This is a special fight, man. I, I, and I'm curious if it's like if people understand the magnitude of a fight like this, because like I said, Cyril knocks him out or Cyril takes the belt. Cyril, I don't see anyone touching him. Francis knocks out Cyril. And I truly believe, and I've been saying this for a long time, Shaq, that had Francis won the first Stipe fight, that he would have been that global superstar that the UFC was looking for. Unfortunately, lost a little bit of momentum there, then followed it up with the Derek Lewis fight. And I feel like now, even though he's worked his way back up to the belt, he's still trying to capture that. Because do you remember like how he was this enigma before the first Stipe fight? Like, dude, we had never seen anything like it. So those two losses kind of humanized him a little bit. But now he's back to his launching heads into the fifth row ways. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to go through tough times. He, uh, I think he just became too much of a star too quick. He, you know, it happens to a lot of fighters, man. Uh, they, you know, things get carried away for a little bit, man. Um, and, and I think he had to learn the hard way. Um, but he bounced back with a vicious knockout win over Blades in, in uh, China, I believe. I mean, and he said he was back and he hasn't lost since. So I'm super impressed with what he's done. I mean, he was in a, in a deep hole at one point, man. Yeah, he, he really was, man. And now he's the reigning defending heavyweight champion he's got the toughest matchup of his career ahead of him so cannot wait to break down this whole car start to finish um we got a new sponsor to talk about here in a little bit uh but first let, let's get down to business man because first up in the flyweight division we got a matchup between the newcomer jasmine joss joss uh davicious let's just call her jj yeah, or Jasmine. J J Jasmine. Hey, I want to learn how to pronounce that last name. Jasmine. 
Jasu Davicius. Okay. Um, she's six and one, taking out Kay Hansen, who's seven and four. And currently the odds have it. Kay Hansen, just depends where you look, but you know, around minus 220, plus 175 for Jasmine. And basically what, what I noticed, Shaq, was that, you know, Jasmine, when she's on top, man, that's where she does her best. She's very strong. She even called herself a female GSP, which might be a bit of a stretch, but I understand where she's coming from in the sense that, you know, when she gets on top, a lot of these girls don't tend to get off from bottom. My only issue with Jasmine is I do think she's very hittable. And to take it a step further, Kay Hansen hasn't been taken down once in, in her UFC career, but Kay Hansen's moving up in weight class, and this girl Jasmine's one of the bigger ladies at that class. Um, do you think that Jasmine will be successful in, in landing takedowns against Kay Hansen? It's a good fight because Hansen, you know, a lot of people felt she got robbed the uh, the last fight against McKenna. And I will say, man, McKenna was somewhat impressive. She's got some very sharp hands, and I think that's a little bit of uh, Kay Hansen's weakness, you know, in the, in the first fight against um, – uh Jenny Fry, she got touched up a little bit in that fight, got cracked like in the first round several times. Um, and she kind of doesn't wear that damage the best. She kind of gets cut open, she kind of gets stunned. Corey McKenna, that's probably why she lost that fight a little bit, is because she got wobbled, stunned a couple times. Um, but as far as the grappling side of things, I think she's very talented on the grappling side of things. Um, she had some good transitions there against Corey McKenna, the armbar finish against Jenny Fry. She's experienced. She fought um, Blanchfield in, in, in the and Invicta and all these things. So she's been in there with some good people. I think she's more experienced UFC wise. Just um, JJ, you know, I think uh, she honestly, I watched a contender series fight. That chick that she fought has terrible takedown defense. Um, so I definitely think it's going to be a little bit more of a strain to get Kay Hansen down like that. But it's tough to, with the line being kind of wide. It's tough to say because J, uh, JJ, I mean, she's got some, when you look at her, I mean, she's tall, long, Kay Hansen's really short. I mean, so she's got the range and the, and you know, all those things, but I personally don't feel like she knows how to use it the best. I mean, she got tagged up a bunch in that fight against the Brazilian girl. It was just the takedowns, honestly, but I just think the UFC experience you know, mixed in with Kay Hansen. Maybe she was feeling, uh, you know, a little drained with the weight cut. Um, I think she just the grappling side of things as the fight progresses, she's going to kind of, you know, separate herself a little bit. Um, I like the third round against um, Corey McKenna. I thought that was a, a good round for her. Um, so I think I, I don't think she's a quitter or anything. I think she's, you know, just she's a young fighter, man. Um, sometimes it's growing pain. So I, I think she's going to come back and bounce back and, and get this win, man. Um, but from a betting side of things, I mean, you know, they still kind of do have some low level tendencies, man. So it's kind of, you know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, it could be it could be a close fight. She is long and tall. Yeah, look, Kay Hansen's actually 10 years younger than Jasmine, and and I really do think that Jasmine's only path is to kind of bully her, get on top, almost like, you know, somewhat of a resemblance of Tatiana Suarez, just, you know, kind of like on a lower level. Um, I mean, that's the style she wants to implement. So, yeah, I, I think that Kay Hansen, if she can kind of neutralize her, kind of keep the fight standing, not that Kay Hansen is known exactly for her striking, she's more of a grappler, too um but she hasn't been taken down yet and i don't see any other path for jasmine besides taking down hansen uh for extended periods of time so give me k hansen as well but not you know not crazy about that betting line 
Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Matt Steamrolla for Vola. He's eight and three. He's taking on Hennaro Valdez, who is ten and zero. And currently, they got Matt Frivola minus two hundred. The comeback on Hennaro Valdez is plus one seventy. So, last time Frivola was minus two something versus a contender series loom making his debut, uh, he was starched in very short order. Um, this kid, Hernando Hernando Valdez, trains with the champion Brandon Moreno. Also trains with someone else on this card, Michael Morales. And obviously, he's Mexican, so you know he fights with a lot of heart. You don't have to worry about this guy quitting in fights. Um, I've seen him in bad spots, overcome them. I've seen him knock people out. I've seen him tap people out. He's relentless. He goes forward the entire time. So this is going to be one hell of a matchup. I think it's going to be an early candidate for fight of the night. Uh, the thing with Frivola is, man, he's a dog. And he's one of these guys that if he's still conscious, he's going to try to push forward to the final bell and mix in those takedowns. And he can be the guy that it's 1-1 going in that third round. He'll steal that third takedown and solidify the decision. Um, so, yeah, obviously I'm worried about, you know, uh, Matt Frivola getting dropped here because I'm, I'm going to pull up the numbers real quick. But there's a good history of Matt, Fr Matt Frivola getting dropped in, in, in UFC fights, and that's something you got to worry about. I mean, knocked out against Terrence McKinney. Uh Dropped twice against Lando. Dropped twice against Marco Polo. And, um, I don't know why it says there were no knockdowns in the in the in the Pena fight, but Pena was fucking his ass up at times on the feet. So there are some vulnerabilities from Matt Frivola. But one thing I will say about the dude is it's like back to the one to one going to the third round talk. If if you're gassed out against a guy like Matt Frivola. I mean, he is going to put it on you in a way where you he breaks guys. Like he's not the most athletic guy, he's not the most talented guy, but he's got the heart of a dog. And, Him and um, Billy Q, Billy Q or Bush, you know? Yeah, so he's willing to to go all out. So, I mean, I do think that Hennaro Valdez is live for for a knockout, but if that doesn't happen, I kind of see um, Frivola, you know, grinding him out and, and winning the second and third round. Yeah, I mean. Um, Terrence McKinney was hot, man. Terrence McKinney was, was knocking people out in the LFA, like 18 seconds, uh, first round stoppages. So he came in there real hot for Vola. Probably shouldn't have taken that fight, man. He was, I don't know who he was scheduled to fight at the time, but, um, you know, those late, those late switch ups sometimes can be dangerous at times. Um, supposed to fight Frank Camacho. So, yeah. I oh mean, my look, God. He, man, <laughs> I would have just waited. I would have just been like, just wait. Uh, I would have just waited. That was easy work for him. <laughs> but, uh, Anyways, um, yeah, Gerardo, he's a tough, tough Mexican fighter, as they usually all are, and and he comes to fight. Um, but, you know, skill-wise, grappling-wise, clinch-wise, I think he's a little behind than Frivola. I think is the better fighter here. It's just Frivola has the tendency to bang too much, and when that happens, he, he gets rocked. The Polo Reyes fight back in the day, I know he was, I, I know y'all remember that when he was a big favorite, and I know Polo Reyes was on steroids and all that good stuff, but you know, he got knocked out inside the first round and it was, you know, first very minute. easily. But then he bounced back, had those, you know, good performances against Jalen Turner. I was actually there. I mean, you know, he he uh he wrestled him, Jalen Turner's long, dangerous striker. He uh, fought Lando Venata, dealt with that somewhat fairly well, but he did get dropped like a couple times. Um it just depends on if this kid stays conscious, like you said. I think he's gonna pull it out with his hustle and his heart. This kid, you know, um 
uh, you know the steamroller fans you know they i'm sure they'll you know be uh cheering them on you know it's, uh, frivola comes with the crowd man so i think uh steamroller <laughs> yeah, man he's got a bunch of a bunch of fans and i think he's gonna hustle his way here the ufc experience but at the same time from a, a betting side of things you you can't i don't know I'm, I'm not gonna say you can't but it's you know it's playing with fire you know playing minus 200 on a guy that you know frequently gets hurt in fights now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Vanessa Demopoulos. She's six and four, taking out Silvana Gomez Juarez, who is ten and three. So USA versus Argentina, and currently they got Vanessa Demopoulos minus one thirty-four. The comeback on Silvana Gomez Juarez is plus one twenty. I actually never thought I'd see Vanessa Demopoulos as a favorite in the UFC fight, um, but I got to give this lady a lot of credit because. She went from a different life to this life. I mean, she 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 was a dancer and now she's <laughs> oh, a pro man. fighter, man. So like, <laughs> dude, like much respect that you don't you didn't have to take too much damage, uh, you know. Okay, just so, but uh <laughs> now now like she's brave, man. Like I she's got all my respect. And then Gomez Juarez, decent point fighting style on the feet. Uh maybe some questions about the groundwork. Uh what do you think? Yeah, pretty much that. I mean, low level fight. Um, Demopolis. I mean, she kind of man. She's got some good uh, subs, I guess. Um, off her back. Um, I think that's the big thing. Um, Miss Argentina is gonna have to deal with here. But other than that, man, I just see. Uh, what's her name? Silvana. Silvana being the better fighter here, man. Um, she's actually beaten you know, somewhat real people before. Uh, I think the only person Vanessa's beat is Sam Hughes off a of fluke uh, submission, off a of fluke submission. So I think um, Silvana just needs to move her feet, keep moving on the outside and box, man. This girl's a punching bag. Um, she poses no threat on the feet at all. I mean, you know, one big shot at a time, gets bloodied up easily. Um, well, she, like, falls down a lot. I guess she's looking for the subs. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I think, uh, you know, the last fight with uh, Godinez, I mean, she came in super late last minute, and, you know, Godinez beat um, Loma, man. So, you know, uh, it seems like Lupe, uh, Lupe Godinez is somewhat legit. So I'm going to go with Sil uh, Silvana, the underdog. I just think she's the well, the more well-rounded fighter. Like, she actually beat Vanessa Mello. Like, I know Vanessa Mello ain't the best, but, you know, she's a, uh, you know, like, I know Vanessa Demopoulos, you know, as, who else has she beaten, man? You know, so I, I think, uh, and she's beaten some other girls, too. I just, if you pull up her record. Um, so she has a history of beating people named Vanessa. Yeah, you know, exactly. So uh, I'm going to go with Silvana here, man. There's the boxer up on the outside. And it's not going to be pretty, but I just think, you know, she's been training with Moreno this camp. She's got to be motivated after the last one went. Um, I think we've seen, we saw Vanessa against Corey McKenna, same kind of thing. So uh, really poses no threat. I'm, I'm going to go with Silvana here by decision. Look, I respect Demopolis in the sense that she's all heart. I mean, like the technique ain't exactly the prettiest and the athleticism isn't quite there, but she fights with a lot of spirit. And yeah, I respect her a lot, man. It's just that like banking on her to get an inverted triangle, uh, you know, those are especially at minus money. Like that's just not the path I want to go down. So I think Silva, Silvana Gomez score is kind of 
<laughs> this guy asked me if I ate Pitbull. <laughs> Pit, hey, we look different, man. Not all bald guys look the same, man. But shout out to my boy Pitbull. That's a pimp right there. Oh, you talking about the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, we we all look the same. But um, back to this, I, I do think Silva Gomez Juarez can kind of keep that distance game, leg kicks, kind of um, rack up the points a little bit, and just avoid. Avoid the bullshit, as we like to say, on the mat. No inverted triangles. No, don't dominate the fight and then get tapped out. And it, it, you know, imagine assuming that doesn't happen. I got Gomez Juarez to win this decision. Um, so everybody, do us a huge favor and smash that like button. And before we talk about the first televised prelim between Tony Gravely and Simon Oliveira, which, by the way, um, I'm very excited about. I want to give a big shout out to our newest sponsor, BetUS. So, guys, BetUS, the official sportsbook partner of Half the Battle, they've been in the game for over 25 years and they offer you the best odds, more props, and live betting throughout the game. It's easy, safe, and secure. And your number one betting site, BetUS.com. Use code BATTLE125 for an 100% for an 125% bonus on your first deposit that sounds like a pretty fucking good deal to me especially considering this weekend's playoffs i mean you got the nfl playoffs i mean how do you think brady's gonna do how do you think mahomes is gonna do rogers i mean there's so many and san fran san fran's playing good right now man rogers might be in trouble i don't know man so many options and they got the best odds more props and they got they even got here's i know this could be a selling point for a lot of people live betting throughout the game so betus.com is the only place to play deposit today using the code battle 125 to get an exclusive 125 percent bonus on your first deposit so guys that's betus make sure y'all use our code battle 125 for that 125 percent uh bonus on your first deposit and guys nfl playoffs ufc 270 Tons of action on the board. So make sure y'all take advantage at BetUS and use our code BATTLE125. Now, Shaq, let's talk about the first televised prelim between Tony Gravely and Simon Oliveira. Tony Gravely is 21 and 7, taking on Simon Oliveira, who is 18 and 3. And currently, they got Tony Gravely at minus 240. The comeback on Simon Oliveira is plus 205. So I like this fight a lot, you know, because look, Tony Gravely, like uh, the dude's a little tank, um, man. And when he can impose his will on guys, like he's going to have a lot of success and not just in the wrestling, but I've seen him drop people too. He's adding some nice opportunistic power punches to his arsenal. So I, I like what I've seen from Gravely. My only issue with Gravely is that there'll be, he, he has, you know, there'll be like mental lapses in fights where he'll be dominating and then, and then he'll get caught in submissions or, or he'll kind of hit that wall that Shaq likes to refer to, and that's when he gets caught. I mean, we're, we're not talking about a one-time thing. I mean, he's been submitted five times. He's been knocked out one time. Um, so it can happen again. And the thing I love about this kid, Simon Oliveira, is that, firstly, he's got a lot of experience. You know, he's 18-3, and three, and he's fought some legit competition. I mean, um, his last loss in 2018 was to Ari Farias, who is actually one of the best black belts outside um, the UFC. And I saw Ari Farias uh, put Simon in some deep spots. I mean, full mount. I saw him attempt some submissions. And not only did Simon survive all the bad spots against Ari Farias, but he would actually end the rounds on top and he'd be smashing 
uh, Ari Farias and opening him up with cuts. And it was one of those fights where it like came down to, did you favor the couple minutes of top control by Ari Farias or did you favor the ends of the rounds when, when Simon would get on top of him and start smashing him? And then on Contender Series, he went in there with Jose Alde, not Jose Aldo, Jose Alde, who has wins over guys currently in the UFC, John Castaneda, one other um, that I can't remember off the top of my head. And Simon Oliveira, he's got knockout power in both hands. He's got an opportunistic submission game. I like his guillotine. I like his rear naked choke. Um, his kicks are on point, and I like the experience. So, um, listen, at plus 205, I'm actually interested here, man. I think that Tony Gravely is going to you know, kind of muscle him around a little bit, but at some point, I think he's going to leave his neck out there. I think he's going to leave his chin out there, and I think that Simon Oliveira is going to capitalize and actually get his first UFC win. Um, so, yeah, I, I am hesitant laying minus 250 or whatever on Tony Gravely. I think that he's a shaky fighter, and I'm going Simon Oliveira to get an opportunistic finish and get this upset. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you went that route because um, I was actually impressed with Simon as well. I think he's very experienced. I think he, you know, um, he's not like some of the Brazilian fighters where he gasses out late in fights. It seems like he gets better on throughout the fights. And and he's got 21 fights, you know, and he's fought real guys. So I think he's ready to, when I saw his contender series fight, I felt like he was ready to come in um, and fight right away. Not necessarily be anything special, but, you know, have a, have a few good wins and do his thing. I think, um, you know, he's got good Muay Thai, some good spins. But I, I like what you said about Gravely, man, because this was something I, I was – you know, saying before the last fight against um, Manus, this guy is kind of like a stall wrestler. Um, I mean, he he's definitely strong and he's definitely more powerful than Simon, but he consistently gets rocked in his fights. Um, even the fight against um, the other Brazilian, De Freitas, I mean, he was controlling him on the ground. Anytime they clinched up, he he muscles them down easily. But I mean, he he'd make that. That fight was a split decision because every time De uh, Freitas hit him, I mean, he he'd shoot a bad shot and and it would, it would look ugly, man. I feel like if you put the pressure on this kid, especially in the late rounds, he he will fold. He has a, a tendency of doing that, man. Um, it's just a matter of is Simon, you know. Is he the physicality here in the early goings is gonna be is gonna be tough. I mean, he's gonna there's a good chance he gets bruised up and he's gotta be ready for that. Um, but you know, we saw what happened the last fight. I mean, gravely floored Nate Manus at the at the end of the first round, and then a minute or two later, he gives it up and and gets knocked out, man. He that's something a um a pattern he does. The Brett Johns fight as well. I mean, he was winning the early stages of that fight, and then he gassed out and he got tapped out and it's happened in the, on the local scene as well so i i think it's a dogger pass situation i can't necessarily say if simon's gonna win but i think that's the the route to go man i think he's very experienced i think his experience might help with the ufc jitters a little bit you know um you know versus if it was a, a like one of these typical five and oh seven and oh contender series kids like this guy you know he's he's got real fights against ari faria so I, I'm going to go with Simon as well, too, man. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I've never been sold on Gravely. I think he's strong, but I think he's a stall wrestler. I think he just, like, you know, he knocked out uh, Anthony Burchak. But other than that, man, he's just looking for the takedowns. And he's there were some spots in that Burchak yeah, fight exactly. that got sketchy. And even on his contender series fight um, he, he, against, uh, I mean, he won, but, like, you can break this kid. And I, and I think Simon is experienced, tough, and, and durable enough to do it. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got two UFC debutants. We got Jack Della Madalena. He's ten and two. He's from Australia. Is that Australia or New Zealand? 
Hold up. Australia. Good call. So we got Jack Della Madalena. He's ten and two from Australia, taking on Pete Rodriguez from the USA, who is four and zero. And currently, they got Jack Della uh, Madalena minus three thirty-five. The comeback on Pete Rodriguez is plus two seventy-five. So let me just say this, man. Like Pete Rodriguez, like I understand he's only had four pro fights and this and that, but like just as a fan i enjoy watching him fight because this guy comes out here and he knocks his opponents out stiff and i mean isn't that what we like to see as fans we like to see people go out there and knock people unconscious and that's what this, that's what this kid does the only the only issue is that he's only had four pro fights he's never been out the first round i mean i literally watched his entire pro career in like under five minutes you know but he's exciting i gotta give him credit man he dominates guys uh early and finishes them and the thing with this kid jack della madalena you know i got a lot of respect for him because he starts off his pro career zero and two and now he's 10 and two so i mean a lot i know a lot of guys that start their pro careers zero and two and then they just call it quits because they feel like they don't have it and this guy picked himself back up 10 fight win streak kind of reminds me of like a welterweight jimmy crew that gets hit a little bit less than jimmy crew um actually surprisingly has a wrestling background even though i've seen him taken down a few times and then he also has a bit of a kickboxing background so he can mix it up and i've seen him overcome adversity early in fights come back to win uh, obviously seen him pass the first round multiple times seen him take people down submit people knock people out win decisions so I, i've kind of just seen more of an overall game from him and he's got three times the fights um as uh p rodriguez in the pros so while i think that p rodriguez is super exciting and i love knockout artists i, I just think that jack della has too much vet experience for him here despite these both being debutantes and, and and i think that jack is gonna you know overcome this early storm and come out here and win this fight yeah jack della um uh, madalena man i was I, I to be honest he was one of my um when I actually seen his contender series fight, I think he should be getting more hype, man. I, I think that uh, that was a very impressive performance against a solid opponent. The guy that he fought was strong, physical, uh, had Gilbert Burns with him, you know, trained at a good camp. Like, and unlike some of these other contender series kids that I see, they're fighting cans and they're getting too much hype and all this stuff. But this kid, in my opinion, was a terrible matchup for Orly Alves. Just, you know, based on what you were saying, he faces adversity and he, and he comes back and puts it on his opponents and his pace is is serious he switches stance he's an underrated striker in my opinion uh he could grapple as well um and i think that um and i think uh you know pete rodriguez will be back man but i, I think he's gonna ac actually get ran through here man i think four and no he, he doesn't you know look experience is a big thing in this game man and he's fought cans and maybe like one decent guy and you know, I just see Jack Dela's game being so much better overall, grappling, wrestling, mixing it all together. Um, you know, those Australians, uh, you know, they know how to fight, man. And, and I think he's going to put it on this guy. Uh, you know, P. Rodriguez will be back, but I, I don't like 4-0, 5-0 guys in the UFC. I, I, I just think it's it's a little bit too premature. Um, I mean, like when you think about it, that, what's that kid's name that fought Barbarina? He's fighting um Ian Darian Weeks. Yeah, like that kid shouldn't be in the UFC. Like, and and he's actually probably pretty good, but it's just like 
there's too much things you you haven't fought anybody, you know. And and I think unfortunately here, Pete Rodriguez is gonna have a rude welcoming to the UFC. This kid Jack is serious, in my opinion, man. I think he was a bad matchup for Worley Alves. Like his pace throughout the 15 minutes just keeps getting better. And I think his striking, man, um, he switches stands very well. So I'm gonna go with Jack Daly to finish him. I'm gonna say in the first round. So before we talk about Michael Morales versus trevin giles which i know there's a lot of opinions on i want to address some of these comments um that you guys are giving us here so my boy my boy ban says this channel will get past 10k subs soon enough i appreciate appreciate that man everybody hit that subscribe button and help us get there uh rob asked what do you think about your boy good and not getting his contract renewed uh not getting his contract renewed love the show thank you thank you man yeah i mean listen he took full accountability if you go on his ig right now and people asked him why he got cut he said listen man i went one and three in the ufc and i need to fix up the holes in my game but word on the street is that sean shelby told him dude just get one or two more wins in your back in here man because it's like every single fight he had i mean when when your fourth ufc fight is a co-main event with randy brown on espn and you know randy brown's already had 10 plus ufc fights to get his feet wet i mean it's just i think that down the line maybe jared could beat randy but at that point in time he just simply wasn't ready and then you saw what happened when he was in there with a guy with you know one or two fights with stolze he handled them accordingly so i truly believe if gooden was out there getting fights like the kose brothers and you know things among those lines that gabriel green um i think that he'd still be in the ufc right now but the good news for him is he's only 28 he's about to fight this weekend on george masvidal's card uh, he's headlining it on fight pass i think he gets a win here one more and, and he's right back in there and the only thing i hope is that they just give him not necessarily favorable matchups but uh, matchups against, like I said, the Gabe Greens, the the Kose brothers, and let him let him get that win streak up, and then you put him in a co-main event with Randy Brown um, on ESPN. So that's my take. What's yours? Yeah, I mean, he just wasn't ready to fight the guys that he got matched up with, and that's kind of some part of the management's fault. I mean, he just, you know, he's coming in from the local scene and he's going right to fights with Alan Juban, guys with wins over Perry and Bilal and, you know, and things like that. And to a Daggy who's coming off of L. I mean, you know, that Daggy was hungry. Um, it's not like he came in and got Jason Witt and, you know, got, you know, uh, you know, the, some of these easier guys. But like you said, he when he fought the guy that was, you know, somewhat on his level, Stoza, he knocked him out in the first round. And Randy Brown, in my opinion, is going to be in the top 15 at some point so you know hey he he, he you know probably shouldn't have missed weight but i think he'll learn his lesson man he's training real hard he'll be back yeah i agree with that as well let me see if you all said anything else that uh thank thank you guys all for being here wow <laughs> what <Would> i miss <laughs> this one this one uh <laughs> we don't need to answer that she's she's married uh, yeah roxanne is a beautiful woman man yeah my boy izzy garcia in the house hey man this is that's an old school vet right there i appreciate you bro and there was one i wanted to okay so my boy said rest in peace eti oh, yeah, etid they're uh every time i die one of my all-time favorite hardcore bands and they just broke up the other night so i'm very sad about that but at least they went out on top never put out a shitty record so shout out to them all right dude let's fucking move on Next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Michael Morales, who's 12 and 0. He's Ecuador's second fighter right after Chito Vera to make it to the UFC, taking on Trevin Giles, who is 14 and 3. And currently they got it 
Uh, Michael Morales minus 115. The comeback on Giles is minus 105. So, Shaq, hear me out on this one, man, because it's like, on one hand, it's like, what has Michael Morales proven? And then he's fighting Trevin Giles. Giles is the dog. Giles is the established vet here. I mean, Giles on his regional scene was beating Brendan Allen and Ryan Spann. So we've seen a completely different level. However, Kid Morales is pretty fucking talented, man. That's one thing I noticed. And Giles, even though, I mean, it, it almost like makes sense to bet Giles here as at a dog price against an unproven guy. And that angle is cashed many times. I mean, um, the MacDessie versus Bahamondes fight. The um, even fucking Barella versus Tyler Santos. Like sometimes it's not even the person who's going to project to go further. Sometimes it's just that UFC debut against the vet just doesn't go their way. So that's what I'm most worried about. But I kind of think this kid Morales is pretty good. But then I also thought Ignacio is pretty good. So I don't know. What do you think? Is it a matter of this first UFC fight? You know, he's probably not going to perform up to his optimal self. Or do you think that, you know, Trevin Giles has an has a knack for doing some dumb shit in fights. He'll be winning fights, get choked out. Um, he'll go woo in the middle of fights. But you also got to look out for this dude's explosive jab. He's got power. He's got experience, which counts for a lot. So how, how do you kind of see this one? I like this fight. Yeah, I feel like Trevin, uh, very talented, very experienced, has that going for him. Um, but he's kind of hit or miss. You know, it could go really well or it could go really bad. Um, you know, he's got wins over over uh, Roman. Shout out to Roman, by the way. And and then you know he's got um, he's got wins over you know Brendan Allen and and all, and all these guys. But then you know fights like Duplessis. You know the fight, it kind of he was kind of up a little bit, but then boom, he gets knocked out. But I have seen Duplessis do that uh, quite a few times actually. So, you know, it, it, it's tough to say with Trevin. I think I think overall this should favor him, but it's like when you look at his history in fights like uh, Mershart, um, where he was winning that fight. Um, what's another one? Uh, Zach Cummings. Zach Cummings, you know, at the same time, those guys, I mean, one of those guys has the most submissions and Zach Cummings, that's a real vet right there. So, I mean, no shame in that. I, I still kind of slightly favored Trevin, but I don't, and he is the dog. That's why I'm so, you know, leaning more towards his side, but he is dropping to 170. I don't know exactly how this weight cut's going to go. I like Morales. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Very solid fighter. I think this is going to be a war, man. I think uh, it's just going to be a matter of, you know, under the bright lights, can he perform? And um, if he's anything like the other Ecuadorian fighter, maybe we'll see. But even that Ecuadorian fighter had struggles in the, in his early stages. And he so, lost his debut. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I, I'm going to go with Trevin Giles to to edge out a war type of fight, man. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's tough to say, but at least he's the dog. I mean... I can't, like, argue with Shaq's points here, man. I mean, Trevin Giles is the more experienced guy. He is the dog here. And oftentimes with these spots, with these talented prospects, they don't perform how you want them to in that debut. They got to get their feet wet, the nerves, whatever the case may be. So that's what I'm most worried about here with Morales. Um, and, again, if people consider Giles at dog money in this specific spot an auto bet, like, I completely understand. Like, this could be, like, a system play. Like, fuck the dude's potential. Like, it's just the fact that he's unproven taking on a guy who's a serious grizzled vet and the grizzled vet's dog money. So that's, like, the reason I'm not going to bet this fight. But 
my gut was telling me Morales is going to get this one done, but my gut also told me that Ignacio would beat MacDessy, and I truly believe they run it back, and, and Ignacio does beat MacDessy, just like I believe Tyler Santos runs it back with Barilla. I think she beats her, but sometimes sometimes the better fighter doesn't always win. Not saying Morales is the better fighter, but what, but what I'm saying here is the one with the more potential doesn't always win. So that's what I'm worried about, but I'm going to go with uh, Michael Morales here and uh, no bet, just, just a straight pick. All right, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Hione Barcelos, he's 16-2, and two, welcoming Victor Henry, who's 21-5, and five, to the UFC. And currently, they got Hione Barcelos minus 485, the comeback on Victor Henry's plus 415. I mean, listen, I don't think Victor Henry's a slouch at all, man. I mean, you got to take into consideration he's had 26 pro fights, He's never been finished once. Um, he's beat he's beat some UFC vets. I mean, he finished Anderson Dos Santos. He beat Kyler Phillips. He finished uh, Albert Morales. So, like, at least he's not like in there with like one and two guys. And this, like, he's fighting some legit competition. So uh, he's got my respect, man. I mean, he's got some unorthodox kicks. His ground game is on point. I mean, he's hit reverse triangle chokes in fights before. He's knocked people out. So I like. Uh, I like this kid, Victor Henry, a lot. I just think that he's running into a buzzsaw in Hione Barcelos, who, I mean, we've talked about how boxers have brought this dude in to help them out. But then on the other side, this motherfucker is a black belt under a red belt. His dad's a red belt. So it's like, and I just think that I personally, I know this controversial, I personally think he's undefeated in the UFC. I mean, I saw him fight Timor, and look, Timor, I, I, I understand why Timor won that fight. Timor did outpoint him, but only one man was almost severely unconscious in that fight and was getting pounded on, and that was uh, Timor. So I personally think Hione's undefeated in the UFC, but, man, like, dude, could we have not waited for that Rafael Asuncao fight? Like, because that would have just really uh, catapulted his career. I mean, if Ricky Simon's out here knocking him out, you're telling me that (laughs) Hione couldn't do it? So... But instead, he fucked up not taking that fight. He was supposed to fight Mirab. Then he was supposed to fight Asuncao, which is perfect. Then all of a sudden, we're supposed to fight Marcel Rojo. Then we take that, you know, stupid fight against Timur Valiev. Then it's Trevin Jones. Now it's Victor Henry. It's like, who is Hayoni's manager, man? Like, Ed Soros. Ed, Ed Soros is like a really smart <laughs> guy. Like, Ed Soros managed the great Anderson Silva, amongst others. Like, I, I'm very curious about Ed Soros' reasoning. I, my, I guess my theory would be ed soros is so confident in barcelos that he's like dude put him in there with anybody in the division he's gonna beat him but i just personally think that since barcelos is currently 34 years old and he'll be turning 35 in may of this year that i'd like to already see him in there with us sometimes i'd like to see him make his run right now like there's no reason to beat around the bush and fight these guys that aren't on your level let's go ahead and take out some top contenders so i do have barcelos to come out here and win this fight but the more riskier fights he takes like this where he's got nothing to gain the more chances are you know for shit to go wrong yeah, this guy, uh, Victor Henry, he's pretty crafty. I mean, experience. I, it's just I really don't see where he can win this fight unless he just lands a fluke. Uh, you know, he's not going to submit Hione. It's just not happening. Um, Hione's going to beat this guy up, man. There's no, I mean, I'm sure this kid will be back his next fight, but there's no There's no point to, you know, elaborate too much on it. Hione's just better everywhere, more physical, stronger. This kid's more of a... You know, he's got some tricks up his sleeve. I'll give him that. Um, but, you know, I think um, Hione's got this guy covered. I mean, when you've been in there with guys like Timor Valiev and um, 
even his first early fights in the UFC, just the way he performed, man, maybe not necessarily the key name, but you remember what he did to guys like Chris Gutierrez. And I mean, he made those guys look like, you know, scrubs. So I think uh, Hione Barcelos is going to come out here and run through this guy, man. First round submission, uh, maybe a knockout, you know, but this guy, this guy's tough. He might take a beating for a couple, for a couple. Uh... <laughs> what do you think about this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to look like him. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, but I'm going with Hione Barcelos uh, to finish him. Apparently, I look like Pitbull and you look like Razak. So yeah. this is this is a fun show, man. All right. Next up in the featherweight division, the featured prelim. We got Ilya Taporia. He's 11 and 0, taking on Charles Air Jordan, who is 12 and 4. And currently, they got Ilya Taporia. Minus 650, the comeback on Air Jordan's plus 425. Look, I like this kid, Ilya Taporia, a lot, man. I mean, look, Cash as a dog against Yusuf Zalaw, Cash against Damon Jackson, both pretty easily. I, I didn't bet the Ryan Hall fight. I was, I just stayed away from that one, but came through for me his first two UFC fights. And I think he's got that thing to where he could be a top 10 guy one day, man. I mean, he's got the one-punch knockout power. He's got nasty grappling chops. Uh, he's got the confidence. He's got the swag. I, I like the kid a lot. Yeah, it's, it's just my only thing is that most of his wins are first-round finishes. And I'm not. I'm, that, that's not to say that he can't come out here and you know do better as fights progress. I mean, I saw him win that decision in the debut. But we got to mention that, you know, he he horribly gassed in that debut. I'm very curious what would have happened if he gassed against Movsar Evloyev. And one thing about Charles Jordan is that he's one of those guys that actually starts fights off kind of slow and he picks it up as the as the rounds progress for the most part. Not always for the most part, though, um, like that Andre Uhl fight. I mean, I personally felt like he. It's amazing. Though. I feel like he finished Andre Uhl in that third round. I don't care what anyone with that Sparta kick. Um, but then you can reference the Julian Arosa fight, but I, I think that there was a fundamental rookie mistake there. And everybody knows, or at least you and I know, that when you fight Julian Arosa, everyone's going to drop Julian Arosa, right? But you got to follow up and get him out of there because if you let Julian Arosa recover, that's when he comes back and does his best work. And that's exactly what happened. So I thought it was a rookie mistake, but the kid, Jordan's just young. So my. Only path to victory for Jordan here is he's got to weather some shit. He's got to go through some early adversity. And if Taporia's gas in that third round, that's when Jordan can start to put the combinations together. That's his path. But aside from that, I see Taporia having a lot of success on the ground. I see Taporia landing some big shots standing. I mean, I saw Kulabau drop uh, Jordan. So, you know, not saying that that means Taporia will too, but the opening Boy, is there. Uh, Kulabau's got a big fight coming up. Who's he fighting again? Uh, Damon Jackson. Oh, I like that. Uh, I think you know who I got, but we'll talk about that <laughs> later. But uh, I, I mean, look, I got to go with Tapori here. I'm just not really in a rush to lay minus 650 on him. Um, if you want to, uh, and I do think he's a future top 10 guy. I think he's, I think he's got all the goods. I like him. Um, it's just, you know, when we're talking about numbers, you see that plus 450 on that plus 470 on Jordan. Hey man, can we survive these first two rounds and maybe knock him out in the third? That'd be the path. But my pick is Tapori here. Yeah, man, this is a I'm very looking forward to this fight because, you know, there's a I personally I like Tapori. I think he's going to win this fight. I think he's more physical, more powerful. Jordan kind of fights on the back foot a lot. But I want to see how much of the gap it really is between these two, because I'm not 100 percent sold on this guy being a top 10 guy or a top uh, five guy. I mean, honestly, when we look at what he's done, he's fought Yusuf Zalal, who probably going to be out of here soon. He fought um, Damon Jackson, you know 
big whoop and um and, and Ryan. Ryan Hall. Okay, that's a that's a that's a legit win right there. But I haven't seen enough yet to to be putting these type of deems on him yet, man. Like he he's fought nobody. Like you know, Mamzar was the underdog. I think the the hype on this guy is for real. So I want to see what he does against uh, Jordan because Jordan's a tough guy, a good a good striker. Um, I mean, you know, I've actually I'm, I'm glad somebody uh, mentioned that right there because I have seen Taporia get hurt before in fights and on his on his local scene. Um, you know, he was actually a, a decent comeback fighter, but. I think Jordan, man, he, um, this guy is very, I want to say, I see success for this kid later on, man. I, I feel like maybe right now he's going to take some L's and, and take some lumps, but I think he's a very underrated striker. Um, like you said, the Julian Arosa fight, I mean, just look what Juicy J has been doing lately. I mean, not just, uh, Jordan, he finished, but he finished, uh, Sean Woodson, who I see a bright future for as well. So, um, Juicy J has shown himself to be a very tough competitor. Like, I don't see what, Ilya Tapori has done that so much better. Like, but you know, I, I do think I do see some good traits, man. Um, Jordan does have the tendency to get bullied. You know, he did in the early rounds against Duho Choi, um, the Andre Feely fight, but he's gaining experience, man. I feel like he's fought tougher competition, to be honest, man. Um, just overall. I mean, even Kulabao, like Kulabao's no slouch. He's only lost one fight. Like this guy's strength of schedule is serious. But you know, I think the line's way off. I think it should be like minus three hundred, you know, minus three hundred, high minus twos. Like Dordain can kickbox, man. Um, we'll see. Like I'll pick Taporia, but I, I think it's gonna be a tough fight, man. Just to comment on that regional fight where Tapore did get dropped because that that did happen. He got dropped with a head kick. He came back and he finished that guy. So like at least he showed that heart with that I wanted to see. He can overcome adversity. So I was happy to see that. But yeah, I mean obviously Jordan is a big step up from from definitely from the first two. So let's yeah. see. And uh, and you know after this fight, let's rebook that Mazwar fight and let's get it going. Yeah, that that's the fight I want to see as well. All right, so it's main card time. So everybody do us a favor before we talk about this main card. Smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button. And uh, we truly appreciate it. And we got to give a big shout-out to our sponsor, Prize Picks, the official daily fantasy sports partner of Half the Battle. So, guys, I've told you many times, Prize Picks is the simplest and easiest way to use uh, daily fantasy sports, uh, the easiest way to make money. Like I said, you don't got to submit hundreds of lineups. You don't got to compete against thousands of stats nerds. Just you versus their projection. And when you disagree with their uh, projection, uh, go ahead and take advantage. Actually, last week I got my ass kicked on uh, on, prize kick, on prize picks. Like I took the under and significant strikes for Joseph Holmes, and somehow he he went over his, his thing. And then um, with... Uh, TJ Brown, his over under on takedowns was over under three point five, and I was thinking something else. Yeah, I, I was thinking, I was thinking, all right, Charles, just don't get back up, and Charles got back up, so yeah, missed those. Uh, so last week wasn't my week on prize picks, but this week I'm looking to get back on track. I mean, we got the NFL playoffs, we got UFC two seventy. So guys, go to prize picks right now. It's the easiest and simplest way to make money on daily fantasy sports. Use the code Battle for an hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars. And again, you can pick two to five players from any sport and win up to 10 times on any entry. And uh, yeah, so guys, 4.8 star rating in the apps in the app store with great reviews. Download PrizePix or go to prizepix.com. Sign up today. Use that code battle for an 100% deposit match up to $100. And let's win some money this weekend.
All right. Main card time. First up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Rodolfo Vieira. And let me just uh, say his nickname because it's important here. The Black Belt Hunter taking on fellow Black Belt Wellington Terman, who is 17 and 5. And currently they got Rodolfo Vieira minus 205. The, come, the comeback on Wellington Terman is plus 180. So this is interesting, man, because it's like you got the black belt hunter who's got the reputation of submitting black belts, but this kid, um, Terman, has never been submitted before. And I'd say he's getting better, man. And in addition to that, I think he's got the better cardio here than Rodolfo. But one back day from, from Rodolfo could be all it takes. And I got to say that last fight, the striking might not be the prettiest, but it was a big improvement from previous fights. So I think Rodolfo is trending in the right direction. I think he learned from his mistakes, but I actually think that this is a harder test than the line indicates. What do you think? Yeah, man. Well, in Terman, he's young. He's and he's fought good guys. I mean, he's already been in there with uh, Bruno Blindado. He's been in there, got knocked out versus Sanchez. But I, I think the kid was kind of oblivious to to a lot of things. I mean, he, you know, you coming into the UFC, twenty one years old and. And, you know, you think you're invincible. He took that L versus Roberson. Um, uh, that's what, like three L's in a row, right? Um, Might have had to win it. Oh, yeah, he beat Marcus Perez. Um, but I think the kid's talented. I just think, you know, he needed to, you know, take a step back from uh, some of these fights he was taking, man. I think uh, Rodolfo Vieira is very somewhat green in, a, in his overall MMA game. But that last fight against Dustin Stolfus, he was popping the, popping the jab and busting him up. And I actually think he's actually pretty quick quicker uh, on the feet than people uh people realize man it's just the the, t- the taking shots parts but you know i think the the <clears throat> the fight against fluffy hernandez was just another thing i mean he just thought he was going to get on top of him and, and submit him right away and when that didn't happen uh <laughs> things uh got ugly man and and i'm interested to see what happens if him and him and wellington you know work in the clinch and box and move around the cage for 15 minutes man because wellington's got to be feeling confident right now you know he's putting in work with uh, the champ lever to share he actually moved from brazil to uh connecticut he's training with um the kickboxer guy, uh, Alex Pereira, him and, and Glover Teixeira. So he's trying to he's trying to make uh, improvements in his career as well. Um, Wellington, um, yeah. So like, uh, I think uh, I'm, uh, I'm 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 super excited for this fight. I agree with you, man. I think this fight could be a little closer just due to the fact that Wellington might. You know, if he can avoid the, the the submission, he could possibly get Rodolfo to use a lot of energy trying to trying to get this fight to the mat. Um, Rodolfo, you got to get his gas tank working, and, and we know what happens once that comes, man. Um, if he can't get that that early first round submission, and and I like Dustin Stolfus, he did get the late one on him, but Dustin Stolfus, you know, he's a black belt, but there's a you know, it's a different level of black belt. You know, black belt, but then there's black belt. And I'm not saying Dustin Tove was a, some fake black belt. Not at all. Like, I feel bad for that kid, too, because he, he had a murderer's row his first three fights. But um, I think there is some value on Wellington, man. I think that he's feeling real confident right now. Not saying that Rodolfo is, but I think that if he can you know, stuff these takedowns and make Rodolfo work in the clinch and then start trading some real big punches and moving forward. I mean, this kid is reckless. And uh, if he can just, you know, when he's not fighting Bruno Blindado and I know he got knocked out by Andrew Sanchez, which is, which is not a good look, but I truly think he didn't respect him at all. (laughs) Lost to Carl Roberson too. I mean, Carl Roberson at one point looked real good. But, But let me say this. You took Carl Roberson's back and didn't finish him. Yeah. You know, you know what happens when Adolfo takes Carl Roberson's yeah. back. 
I mean, he took Fluffy Hernandez is back. What happened? I mean, <laughs> also true, also true. <laughs> and that was like a purple belt. So I mean, like anything can happen in that cage. But uh, you know, I like where Wellington's at, and I'm gonna take him for the upset, man. Yeah, listen, I, I feel the pick. I mean, listen, uh, Wellington's got a hundred percent takedown defense. Uh, you know, n- not to be Mister Obvious, but that means no one's fucking taking him down inside the octagon yet that's huge here um and then on the feet he lands more than Vieira I'd say he's the more fundamentally sound striker than Vieira it's just Vieira has a way of just exploding through these takedowns and tapping out guys that don't often get tapped out so I could see that but at the current line it is a dogger pass situation I lean towards Rodolfo Vieira to get it done. But I mean, it's not going to surprise me to see. Because, like I said, Wellington Tournament, 100% takedown defense, better striking. Um, and I feel like he's starting to gain a little bit of confidence. That last fight was big for him, got to go three hard rounds and got to show different parts of his game. So I like what I'm seeing from Rodolfo, excuse me, from uh, Wellington. But then Rodolfo's last fight was a big step in the right direction, especially considering. I mean, the epic, I don't know if you want to call it a stunt, a fluke, whatever, the fight against Fluffy, but to rebound, he rebounded. So I'm happy for him. I lean I lean Hodolfo slightly, but at the betting window, I think that we can agree that this is a dogger pass situation. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, this should be really good, Shaq. We got Cody Stamen. He's 19-4, and four, taking on Saeed Nurmagomedov, who is 14-2. and two. And currently, they got... Saeed Nurmagomedov, just depends where you look, minus 200, the comeback on Cody Stamen is plus 160. So, I mean, look, Saeed, we know he's, you know, when you talk about a lot of the Russians, oftentimes they got the reputations for being, you know, sambo fighters, grapplers, wrestlers, this and that. This dude is a fucking explosive striker, man. I mean, we've seen him get multiple knockouts in the UFC. We've seen him go three hard rounds. And even in the one fight he lost was a very respectable loss to Hione Barcelo. Hione, where Saeed actually won a round in that fight. So I think that Saeed's the real deal. It's just Cody Stamen's one of these like underrated guys that, you know, it might not be the prettiest. He's not going to come out here and get too many finishes, but like he's just meat and potatoes solid and he knows how to win for the most part. Now, I heard an interview with him, and one thing I didn't like was that he was talking about, man, I want people to think I'm a power guy now. Like, I like it, it almost seemed like he wants to come out here and bang more in these fights and be more exciting which you know talk is cheap maybe that's not really the case when they get in there he's gonna get back to his point fighting ways but i think he can make the fight close i mean dude cody stamen i know that jimmy rivera fight was the only like one where i was kind of like um I, like that that didn't seem like cody in there but the Marab fight i know he lost but i thought cody put up a great effort in that fight man i thought that he arguably gave Rab, one of his toughest fights in the UFC. So from time to time, you're going to see Cody Stamen come out here and put on some seriously technically sound and, and proficient performances. So I'm curious if he's live for an upset or if he's like live enough to get this to like a split decision um, because I do have questions with Saeed being so explosive like he is. You know, how does he do down the stretch? And Saeed and um, Cody actually... As far as I'm concerned, he beat Song Yudong. I mean, as far as who won more rounds in that fight, Cody won more rounds. He just got a point deducted. So I, I feel like he's fought. You said what? Song got a point deducted. Oh, so it would have been a win for Song? Shit. Because I thought Cody Stammen won that fight. Like, I straight up thought he won that fight. But either way, 
tough fight to call, man. I kind of do lean towards Saeed. I think he's got like something like a let, let me tell you what the reach difference is in this fight. Just at a just to bring it up. Saeed's got a six inch reach advantage over Cody, two inch height advantage. And then we're going to have to find out who the better striker is. And uh, if anyone's able to get takedowns here, I think it's going to be tough. I just think there's going to be a closely contested fight. That's why you could make the argument. It's a dog or pass situation, but I kind of think that Saeed's slightly better. So I'm going to lean him, but I'm not trying to lay that, that big chalk price here. I think that Cody can be competitive with anyone. Yeah, man. I, you know, I like Cody Stamen when he uh, came in, he made it to the, the top 10 actually, um, you know, and, you know, I think I said he was going to make the top 10 and, but, you know, I feel like, man, unfortunately that he's kind of at this stage in his career, like kind of figured out at this level, man. I I, I think this is going to be a big battle of you got Saeed who likes to spin a lot. And Cody Stamen is a hell of a wrestler. I mean, Cody Stamen's wrestling is legit and you can't just keep spinning because this guy might just hug his waist and, and try to uh, hold him and, and try to, you know, weasel out his, uh, a, a decision on the feet. I see Saeed, you know, landing some of those spins. I see him being more flashy on the feet, getting the crowd into it. You know, um, there is going to be a crowd and you keep throwing those spins. The crowd's going to, you know, ooh and on if in a, in a close fight where this is going to matter. Now, at the same time, as far as the line, no, I don't think it's this wide. I think it's going to be very competitive. Cody Stamen doesn't really get dominated too often um i mean he's only been dominated by sterling and that's about it jimmy and i mean it was a 29 28 in there so i mean yeah i mean jimmy definitely beat him but i mean it was, it was a, underwhelming by yeah Cody. it was an underwhelming performance it was out there in abu dhabi i feel like maybe that had something to do with it but um i'm gonna go with saeed man i just think he's too flashy on the feet i i think that uh I'm really curious to see how he deals with the wrestling because I did notice some scrambles where Hione came out on top when they were, you know, scrambling and uh, he, he did seem a little stronger. So I think that is Cody's path to victory, you know, be be that American wrestler and and, and try to um, outscramble this guy. But I think on the feet, Cody kind of just doesn't really pose too many threats with the hands. I don't think these guys respect his punching power. I think that they, that now they're starting to feel like we can just, you know, get off on this guy and, and, you know, we can, we can take his damage. Um, So I'm going to go with Saeed to, to get it done here, man. Unanimous decision. And shout out to my boy, Narco Cop. Take his advice, ground and pound that like button. We truly appreciate it. Hit that subscribe button too, man. Let's get these numbers up. And uh, now let's talk about the featured bout in the welterweight division between Michelle Demolidor Pereira taking on Andre Fialio. Michelle is 26 and 11, and Andre Fialio is 14 and 3. I was curious if he had a nickname. No, uh, no nickname for Andre Fialio, but he's is he the first uh, fighter from Portugal in in the UFC? There's a very good chance. I, I swear there might have been. What, what, doesn't Manel Cap? Repa. Yeah, he is Portugal, actually. Was Manel Cap born in Portugal, or I don't know, I don't know. Someone, someone, let us know. But Andre Fialho, I mean, he's coming in here with a lot of pride representing Portugal, and this is a dude that's paid his dues, man. Like I am very impressed with him because 
I mean, he was doing his thing in Bellator and then he fought, he fell on some hard times. Like he went out there, put up a win streak in Bellator and then the Chitty Andrew Kwani loss, he got knocked out in 21 seconds. And that's one of those losses where it's like, you wonder if the guy's going to ever come back the same. And not only does he come back the same, goes on to win his next two fights in Bellator, goes to the PFL, you know, PFL just wasn't his time, man. But since then, uh, you rebounded. I mean, you got the nice win over James Vick. And actually, yeah, watch- yeah, you got the win over James Vick, which if you watch that fight, that was a that was a very, very fun fight. He goes down to UAE, knocks out Sang Hoon Yu in, the, in 18 seconds. Hey, 18 seconds. It's not like he had to go through anything. 18 seconds handled him like he should, handled another guy like he should. Then he got his uh, UFC vet, Stefan Sekulich. I mean, you saw the fight that Stefan had. I mean, when Stefan was out here in the UFC, I mean, Stefan was out here going to close competitive decisions with Dwight Grant and, and, and Ramazan Amiv. <laughs> and then he goes in there with um, Andre Fialio, and Andre just puts him out like it's no one's business. So Andre can bang, man. And one thing about Andre, he's experienced. And he's uh, – what I like about him – that makes this matchup so intriguing is that like Michelle's got the wild unorthodox style and Andre Fialio's got more of just a meat and potatoes go forward kind of style. So I think that they're going to clash and I think someone might actually hit the deck. Another similarity they have is both guys come out super hard and where they've had issues is that third round. They tend to gas out due to their styles, which are polar opposites, but they both take a lot of energy. So I think it's a great fight. Listen, I lean Michelle Pereira, man. I mean, I think he's favored for a reason. He's been paying his dues in the UFC, but I've seen Pereira lose the guys that he's way better than like Tristan Connolly and Andre Fialio. He's got a lot of momentum behind him. I think he's the most confident he's ever been. I mean, this could be like the Dusko versus, uh, versus Pereira fight. I mean, possibly Fialio does have that kind of power. He does have that kind of experience. So I lean Pereira, but honestly, I think it actually might be a dogger pass situation um, here. So my pick is Pereira, but I wouldn't sleep on Fialio, man. I think that he's he's come a long way. Yeah, you know, I think Fialo has paid his dues. He's been around for a while. He trains at a good gym. And this is a, a dangerous fight uh, for Pereira, you know, rankings-wise. I mean, he was about to fight Salikov, and, and now he's fighting this guy who nobody really knows. Um, yeah, Fialo's solid, man. I never thought he was a bad fighter by any means. Um, just, I remember he fought Chris Curtis in the PFL. He got beat up, got beat up pretty good there. Um, seems like he, he seems like he's putting things together, but Michelle Pereira's been putting things together, man. Michelle Pereira's been beating, I mean, you know, everyone's acting like Andre Fialo's like the hardest hitter this week, but I mean, he's fought, he's fought hard hitters before. I mean, he's fought chaos Williams and, and eight shots from him and, and, you know, use different aspects of his game to get the victory. He's fought uh, Nico price right there. Nico price. I mean, how many times have we seen Nico price put guys out unconscious and, and he, um and he took care of business there as well, doing flips on him and, and, and uh, jumping in his guard. And, you know, um, I think he's going to beat this guy, man. I think, Fialo is dangerous, but I, I see I see him getting encountered here with something big, man, a knee, um, a straight right hand. I think Michelle Pereira is, man, if you follow this guy on Instagram, this dude is taking it seriously. Like, he ain't playing no more games. Like, that's why he's been having success.
So that's why he's number 17 in the world right now off the losses to Tristan Connolly. And, you know, when you do a eight minute uh, entrance into the into the octagon with front flips and back flips and cartwheels and and, you know, you drink. I mean, look, things are moving too fast, man. The, I mean, the hot chocolate fight. I mean, I saw what he did. Who, I mean, look, hot chocolate has been knocked out, but that was that was vicious, man. Hot chocolate's a good fighter. Um, I just think this guy's way capable of more. And I mean, just the fact that he can make 170. I know this guy has a serious amount of discipline and, and focus in his in his game. I mean, look how big he is, man. Um, I think things are finally starting to materialize for him. When he first came into the UFC, everyone thought he was going to be, you know, uh, maybe not a future champ, but like a serious star. And I think he's on his way to doing that. I think Fialo's getting knocked out. And whoever said Andre Fialio is the hardest hitter on this card, um, you guys. Well, rem- because he knocked out Vic, like, oh my. Well, yeah, but you know, Francis and Gano is on this card, yeah. so it's categorically false to well, call no, like Fialio. Like he's like, right, we'll see. No, Fialio's good. I yeah, like him, yeah. but to call him the hardest hitter on the card when Francis is on the card is just like, um, what? But anyways, co-main event of the evening for the flyweight belt. We got the champ, Brandon Moreno. He's 19 and five and two taking on Davison Dice Dugea Figueredo, who's 22 and one. And currently they got Brandon Moreno minus 170. The comeback on Davison Figueredo is plus 155. So Shaq, they meet again for the third time. First fight, I mean, they called it a draw, but I scored it four to one Figueredo. I thought that was a pretty clear win for Figueredo. Second fight, Brandon absolutely dominated him to a point where it's like, all right, well, Figgy, looks like Moreno made the adjustments. What are you going to do about it? And, and and guess what this guy did about it, Shaq? He leaves Brazil, which is something that we've been like saying for a long ass time because we were thinking like, dude, you can't be making 25s anymore when you're eating the Brazilian barbecue every day. And trust me. I know how addictive that Brazilian barbecue is, man. I mean, it's such, it's like the best fucking food ever, especially when it's down the street from you, which I assume it was for him. I mean, it's, I mean, (laughs) is he going to say no to his mom's dinner? Like, and, um, you know, and from the part of the world where he, where he's from, like dude is like a celebrity because they've never had anybody like him as, so it's, yeah. So he he was just dealing with the pressures of being the champ, and you know apparently he was opening a new gym around that time. Not to make excuses, just bringing up things that I've uh, you know some info I've collected. But for this camp, I mean, if you want to talk about changing things up, if you want to talk about like, okay, what do I gotta do to not get the same result again? He leaves Brazil, where now he's not the head honcho. Now people are actually holding him accountable. Goes to Arizona to fight ready a Neuroforce one, which you guys know. We've been high on since day one. Moves in with Henry Cejudo. He's got the the triple goat holding him accountable. So in addition to getting, you know, the just the sparring rounds, the technique rounds, and all that stuff with Henry Cejudo, then we got the strength and conditioning program of Neuroforce One, which is, I think it's the elite of the elite. I mean, these guys know the numbers of things that I wouldn't even uh you know, the smallest intricacies of it's just unbelievable to kind of like if you go on Neuroforce One's Instagram and you look at the progress of the things they measured that Davison did throughout camp, it's unbelievable. So I just think we're going to get a better Davison than we did the second time. And 
based off the indication of the first fight, Davison can go out there and beat him four to one. But I think this time is going to be a little bit different because Brandon, now he's the one going on the victory tours. Now he's the one who everybody wants a piece of him. I'm not talking about the flyweight division. I'm talking about everybody in his life. I mean, he's the champ. I mean, first Mexican champ. That is a big fucking deal. This guy is a hero and this guy will be a legend. He can lose 10 fights in a row and he will be a legend because he will always be the first UFC Mexican champion. So he's got all my respect. But I mean, Davison closed minus two something the first two fights. Now he's plus 155. I think there's a clear dogger pass situation. We don't know what's going to happen, but I'm I'm going to wager on Davison Figueredo here and, and hope that the changes he made aids him to winning the belt again, man. So I think on his best day, he can beat anybody in the division. So give me Davison Dice Dugea Figueredo to defeat Brandon Moreno. And and new become the champ again. And then my big question is there'll be one, one, and one, one win, one loss, one draw. So does that mean we're gonna get a quadrilogy, you know, where someone uh finally gets that that second win? Or that that that's what I'm curious about now. Yeah. Man, it's a tough fight, man. Cause I uh, you know, I, during this week I've kind of Moreno's, you know, he he's good, man. He's a he's a legit fighter, real good kickboxer. I didn't realize how underrated he was in the kickboxing. Um I mean, he's got some really good setups with that left kick. Um, I mean, his hands are good as well, and he's got a rock chin. I mean, the first fight, Davison, I've never, man, Davison hit him with some shots that were, I mean, elbows, knees, uppercuts, big, powerful jabs. I mean, this kid can take a punch, man. I mean, this guy, he's got some good qualities, and he's got, and, and it seems like when whenever they wrestle or they clinch up, that, Moreno's winning at least in these two fights even in the first fight um it's just in the first fight Davison was walking forward I don't think Davison really respected him I think uh they 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 underestimated Moreno a little bit and in that second fight I already knew I uh, going into that one I knew he was in trouble man. when he pushed I, him at yeah, the I mean just when you saw the embedded and seeing how sucked out he was already it was only like Tuesday and and the guy was like I could already tell he was in pain so it was like yeah this this might not be a good thing and then that's exactly what happened man look I do have some doubts that Moreno might have his number I mean Moreno actually he's a good fighter man um it's just he gets hit the opportunities to touch his chin are gonna be there and they're gonna be there you know every fight and and can Fig actually put him down but I think Fig needs to switch it up and like kind of switch it up to like when he fought Pantoja, like you gotta, you gotta come ready to fight for five rounds, man. This kid Moreno has a rock chin. I mean, when he fought Pantoja the second time, the type of damage Pantoja put on him, he didn't quit. When he fought uh, Sergio, he was getting touched up. I mean, Sergio's really not known for his, I mean, he did get KO of the year actually. Um, but you know, he's not known for his, his, his knockouts like that, but I mean, this kid can take and take and take. I will Mexican. give him that. Yeah. Like, this kid, if, if any, like, this might just be a bad matchup for Figgy, man. Um, you know, and I and I see, I, I hope this fight ready thing is addressing this wrestling because every wrestling exchange they've had in this two in these two fights, um, besides like one in the fifth round, Moreno's one man. So, you know, I agree with Moreno being the favorite, but I never think Davis and Figueredo should ever be a plus one fifty underdog. Maybe like you know plus one ten, you know, you know somewhere in that range. But you know, I think this is a little inflated. Look, the pressure is on Moreno now. I mean, now he's the champ. You know, Mexican champ in Cali. I mean, this is a in LA. Like this is a big. This is a big deal. Like, and, and you know, I feel like everyone has this thing where. 
they kind of everyone hates Davison, I guess. I guess for the uh, for the Benavidez fights and the um, you know missing weight and all, and all, and all that good stuff. But like like this guy is, I feel like he's honestly got. I don't want to say nothing to lose. He's definitely got his pride to lose, but I, I really feel like the pressure is on Moreno here. Like there's pressure on Davison to have a good performance, but like I know Moreno is getting pulled in different directions. I mean, like Mexican champ is a big, big deal, man. Um, but he does seem like a, a nice kid, man. Nice, well-rounded guy, smart. I mean, he he might be able to deal with it and it might be his time. I, I will acknowledge that. But from a betting side of things, it's just, man, plus 150, I get it. Um, and the opportunities to touch his chin are going to be there. But So we're going to see if Moreno can take. I'm going to go with Figgy. I'll never go against Figgy. I mean, that is like my favorite flyweight of all time. Um, so I am a little biased, but a part of me, man, is feeling Moreno might have his number, man. Um, he's a good fighter, good kickboxer on the outside. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Shout out to my boy, Bud Crush. You know, my boy Shaq repping the hoodie right now. Sure. Staying fresh. Shout out to my boy, Marcus. Hey, and I appreciate you, Osio. Hey, let's run those fucking likes up. Smash that like button, my guys. Uh, get this hoodie. Yeah, we truly appreciate it, y'all. So, Boy, bud crush. it's time for the main event. Let, let, let's do this, man. This is this is the best heavyweight title fight in UFC history. Main event of the evening for the heavyweight belt. We got Francis and Ganu, the undisputed champ. He's sixteen and three, taking on Cyril Gan, the interim champ, who is ten and zero. And currently, they got Cyril Gan. Minus 152, the comeback on Francis Ngannou is plus 132. It opened a dead pick of minus 110 apiece. Seems like everybody's on surreal. I mean, you got the best technique and footwork and movement in the heavyweight division versus the best power in the history of the sport. Um, And I don't like saying this whole oh, first round or bust thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. If it goes to decision, I will be worried. But it's like... it's easy to call it a low percentage outcome with other people, but with Francis and Gano knockouts are not a low percentage outcome. Um, So, so what do you think, man? Yeah, this is, um, you know, I'll jump right into it. Like Cyril Gan is a great fighter and I think he'll, he'll, he's going to be a UFC champion at some point. Um, But I, I don't want to say I feel like I've seen this story before, but you know, he's undefeated. He's coming in here now. Let's look like, let's really look at what he's, done like he what he's done has been great he's been absolutely blowing these guys out the water jds rosenstrike alexander volkov um Derek lewis um i mean what he's done he's he's on a serious run right now he's the new hot thing and i was striking all that good stuff is, is distance on the outside um but like look at these guys that he's fighting man not saying that None of these guys are on Francis's danger level, like not even Alexander Volkov, good fighter, but he's a gatekeeper. Let's just be honest here. Like Alexander Volkov's the guy you beat to, you know, I mean, look, he lost the blades. He lost to Derek Lewis. And I know Francis lost to uh, Derek Lewis as well, but I truly think Francis was going through some, the star that Francis was, no one could ever be compared to. I mean, at that time, I mean, the, I mean, he was flying back and forth from France, like in the middle of fight weeks and things like that. Like the kid, he got, you know, him and Fernand, I see why Fernand was getting on him, you know, but like, I think that, you know, Surreal Gan hasn't had anyone put him on his back foot. You know, these guys, they, they sit back and they, and they, um, and they, and they, you know, they just get picked apart because Alexander Volkov's a, a, a kickboxer. 
Georgina Rosenstrike is a kick. We've seen Jarzino play that game plenty of times, sit back. JDS is completely washed. Um, you know, but Surreal Gone definitely took care of them. But like, I feel like Francis doesn't get enough credit. Like, people just think Francis is some big idiot swinging punches. Like, bro, that is not the case at all. Like, Francis sets his things up. He faints. I mean, he's got good level changes. His wrestling is getting better. Like, I think if you can get Francis and Ganu at an underdog price, man, I think it's the way to go. I'm not saying Surreal Gone um is a fraud or anything but i don't think anyone's put him on the back foot man he's been he's been fighting all these guys leading you know leading the dance and he's never had someone that doesn't you know that can i just feel like these guys are nowhere near athletically speaking on, on francis and Gann. i know what he did to Derek lewis what he did to Derek lewis was great but Derek lewis is nowhere near the athlete francis i think francis is in the best mental space of his career like he doesn't He's, he's not really care, like caring about all this talk and, and all this stuff like that. He's having fun with it, man. Um, I think he's going to knock Surreal Gone out, man. I think Surreal Gone's going to make a mistake. I, I see tendencies of him dropping his hands off the kicks. I see I see tendencies of him leaving his chin up in the air a little bit. And I just don't think these guys that he's been fighting is good enough to do that, man. I feel like when Francis puts the pressure on him and comes forward, I think he'll knock him out. And it's interesting to see the coaches getting involved. They're getting interviews. Like, this is a huge, huge fight. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I truly believe the winner of this fight is about to be a global, massive superstar. Cyril Gan wins this fight. I mean, we've never seen a heavyweight that moves like him before. And if he can get past Francis, I don't see anybody else giving him any issues for the time being. And then Francis and Ganu. I mean, we keep talking about the power, but it's it, it's a di it's a different kind of power. I mean, I've never seen head snap back like they do when Nganu touches them, and I've also seen spots where Nganu touches guys and and they make a conscious decision to be like, "Hey, uh, I don't want to do that." Like you saw the JDS fight. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, Francis knocked out Stipe in the second round, minutes in. You know, like it's yeah. not a first round. Hey, our best. I, I mean, this is what I'll say: Stipe wasn't really throwing much back. But that being said, it, yeah, <laughs> I, I know why. But when you see Francis going out there landing the high kicks, when you see Francis going out there mixing in takedowns, I mean, that's got to be an indicator that the work he's putting in with Eric Nixick and all the guys here in Vegas are elevating his game to that next level. And yeah, while he'll always, you know, the knockout's going to be the most dangerous part of his game. And I'm not saying he's going to come out here and outpoint Cyril Gaon for five rounds because that's just not his game. But I don't think it's as simple as, Oh, as soon as this goes past round one, let's go smash the gun line at the betting win. I don't think it's that simple, man. Um, so listen, Cyril Gan, I mean, he's amazing. What else is there to say? It's just that he does fight with his hands down and he hasn't been properly touched yet. So if there's anybody that's gonna do that, I think it would be Francis Ngano. Uh, and I mean, like you see, like the technique of Ngano in that Rosen strike fight, it might not look the prettiest, but it doesn't even oh, matter. Man. It doesn't matter. And Rosen strikes a guy with like 80 plus kickboxing fights. Like it, it, like it doesn't matter. Like this is just, we're dealing with a freak of nature. So look, realistically, I could see it going either way, but you give me a line like that on Francis and I'm taking my chances. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Francis and Ganu to knock out the very elusive and talented uh, Cyril Gan. I think Cyril Gan is going to be a world champion one day, just not Saturday night. So I'm going with Francis and Ganu and still the heavyweight champion. And everybody do us a favor and smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button for us. We truly appreciate it. Now, Shaq, let's talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So in your opinion, my man, what is the fight to watch for UFC 270? 
Um, my fight to watch is the co-main event, man. The flyweight. That's like my favorite weight class. Um, we're gonna see. We're gonna see what really is what, man. Moreno's got a lot of pressure, and figuring I know. I mean, the things he's been saying this week is just he's on a kill. He's on a kill vibe. He he wants Moreno's head. Um, I mean, literally. So I, I want to see those flyweights. They deliver every time. And the type of intentions uh, Davison has this weekend. And, and Moreno brings it every time as well. So that's my fight to watch. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously one of the fights to watch for me. I'm going to go with one that's a little bit under the radar. I'm going to go with Michael Morales versus Trevin Giles. Because, like, I'm so on the fence about this fight. Like, I want to know, is, like, Trevin Giles going to come out here, vet less than this kid, and, you know, come through again in one of these spots like i was talking about a million times like that mcdessey versus ignacio spot where the more talented kid is the favorite but the vet that's experienced and paid his dues as the dog goes out there with that vet lesson or is michael morales going to prove to be like some upcoming talent that we need to look out for so i'm super pumped about this morales versus giles fight and for that reason that is my fight to watch Shaq, who's your fighter to watch um, my fighter to watch is gonna be. I'm gonna say this kid from Australia. He's on the undercard, Jack De La Madalena. I've been really impressed with him. I think he's gonna get a win here in his debut. He is fighting a four and guy with some power, but I'm impressed with the skill set. I'm, I, you know, I want to see what he does with versus this guy because I feel like he should he should finish him. So, um, if he if he does that, man, Australia's got a got a new prospect. And for me, my fighter to watch is a newcomer named Simone Oliveira. I mean, listen, I think that 135 and 125 are some of the most emerging divisions right now. They're being stacked with talent. They're starting to add new people to the roster. The weight classes are getting deeper and deeper. The level of competition is going up. And I want to see this kid who's 18 and 3, who's paid his dues, who's battle tested. I want to see if he can come out here and immediately put a stamp uh, on the division because Tony Gravely, he might be hit or miss. He might be a 500 fighter in the UFC, but the dude's always a tough out. The dude's a physical specimen. The guy can hold people down. The guy can knock people out. Like he can wrestle. He can do it all. So I I'm impressed with Gravely, but I want to see how Simone Oliveira handles this test, which I think is a winnable test so for that reason simone Oliveira is my fighter to watch well shaq we did it it's going down this saturday night in anaheim california live at the honda center there will be fans in attendance very excited about that everybody that was here with us thank you all so much man we truly appreciate all your support it means the world to us thank you guys very very much make sure you all hit that like button and the subscribe button and share this like comment do everything man we truly appreciate you guys being here with us you can follow Shaq at mma genius 05 on twitter you can follow me at best fight picks on twitter you can su uh, subscribe to half the battle on itunes soundcloud youtube stitcher spotify all the places where we are available and then shout out to our two sponsors our newest one bet us go to betus.com and use our code battle 125 for an 125 percent bonus on your first deposit guys nfl playoffs ufc 270 basketball there's lots of shit going on so make sure you all go to bet us get those bets in and then for fantasy sports check out prize picks use our code battle for an 100 percent deposit match up to 100 dollars easiest way to make money on daily fantasy sports so thank you guys again so much for being here with us we'll be back for the next card we truly appreciate it and until the next time let's cash these bets